stand before the mountain, Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, shook the mountains, break it apart, ripped it to pieces, if you will, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he came out of the cave. Someone say with me, he came out. He came out of the cave. He stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, the voice of the Lord came to him again. And he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Amen. I believe God wants to speak to someone today to tell them, what in the world are you doing here right now? One more time. Will you pray with me right now for this message again? Jesus, in your mighty name right now, Lord. Praying for an anointing, God, a divine anointing, God. It's not in us, but it's in you, God. It's all in you, Lord. Hallelujah. You want to speak to someone in this church in a powerful voice, God. Lord, you ask the question today, why are you here in this place? Hallelujah. Let us be able to hear your voice in Jesus' name. I thank you for this church, God. Bless them, God, with your word. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we're talking about Elijah today. And the cool thing about Elijah, what I really love about Elijah is he's a lot like you and I. You and me, if you will. Pardon my English there. I know we have some grammatical experts in the room that are critiquing and correcting my English. So Elijah is a lot like you and me. All right. And um, in the sense of his emotion, and his passion, we, we already see in the reading of the word, and we're, we're not even into everything we're going into, but he, he's like this, up and down, up and down. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. On a high, high emotionally, the world is great, and the next day, down in the dumps, if you will, down in the slumps, just down, hanging my head. You know, the sky is falling, chicken little, crashing on me. I mean, Elijah had some tremendous victories in his life. If you, you, don't, you only have to go back one chapter to chapter 18 to find Elijah experiencing the power of God. He was experiencing fire fall from heaven. But Elijah was a character. He, he, he was not unlike you or me today. A lot of times we read about people in the Bible and we think, you know, man, it's all, it doesn't make sense. It's all Greek to me, if you will. And you're right. If you're in the New Testament, it is written in Greek. The Septuagint. So, so good job there. I'm glad you caught that. Very perceptive of you. But, but you, you know, you read the Bible, you read these characters, like, what, if, what does this mean to me? How does this, I'm telling you, Elijah is relatable to you. He was up and down. But Elijah also had a great sense of humor. I love in the preceding chapter when, when the, the, Prophets of the false gods were, were trying to call on their God, their God of stone and their gods of, of wood and, and gods that weren't the almighty God, the king of heaven, amen, the God of power, the God that created the heavens and the universe, the God, amen, that is Lord over all, the God that is a spirit, amen, that is in all and through all. Amen. Uh, above you all, he's, he's omnipotent, omnipresent, omni- all-knowing. He knows everything about my life. He sees you sitting in the seat today. Amen. And he knows exactly what's in your heart. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't even know my own heart. And yet I serve a God that knows. 
the beats of my heart. Amen. I'm thankful for that today. So Elijah had a sense of humor, and, and he's literally mocking and laughing at these prophets. And if we were to, to you know, review this like, a, like on, a, on a movie screen, I would see this scene, and it would probably make me laugh. It would probably be a, a comedy of errors in this moment, because the Bible talks about how the prophets were, were so desperate to get their wooden and stone God's attention that they were screaming at the top of their lungs, Hear me! And they were, yeah, right, come on now, Jeff. Jeff's going to preach with me. I, t- I told you you guys could preach my message. I, I wasn't making that up. <laughs> He's, you know, he starts cutting himself and, and bleeding. Like, I'm trying to get your attention. This prophet over here has challenged me, and we need you to do something right now. And Elijah's doubled up, cracking up, like, oh, my goodness. And Elijah starts to just kind of crack on him a little bit. You ever cracked on someone a little bit, playing ball? Come on, Faith. You cracked on a few people playing softball. I know. I've been on your team. You call that a hit? You know? You, you, you call that running? I, I must have run so terrible. I had a, a girl challenge me to a foot race. And uh, I, I was like, she thinks she could beat me. So, of course, my pride rose up, and I beat her by, like, just a half a toe. It was really close. But um, so he starts talking trash, and he says to these guys, he says, you know, um, Maybe your God's, like, on vacation. Like, maybe he's, he's gone away and he can't hear you. Like, he's out of hearing you. Maybe you should scream a little bit louder. You know, maybe he's busy right now. You know, busy, sorry, call me later. You know, that kind of thing, that, 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 that automatic reply message that you, you send when someone's out of the office and email and they're, like, you know, gone on PTO. And you're like, I'm trying to get a hold of you. Talk to the hand, talk to my boss. So, so Elijah's just, just cracking on these guys. And, and finally, he, he gets a hold of God and he, he says a simple prayer and God pours down fire from heaven. Because that's the kind of God we, we serve today. I mean, I've heard testimonies in this church alone just this morning where Mary Lou sitting right here in the middle said she got a report back from the doctor that said her kidney from the biopsy doesn't need to be replaced. She doesn't need to be on dialysis. He's a healer. Amen. God ever heal your body, raise your hand in this church. He's a healer. Just look around you and know that our God is a prayer answering God. But the thing I want to focus on today, and thank you, Bobby, for helping me this morning with this, is God said I wasn't in that, that loud, noisy crash of an earthquake. And I wasn't in that robust wind that shattered mountaintops. He said, but when I came to you, I came to speak to you in a still, small voice. Hallelujah. And that's what I want to talk to this church today about. The still and the small in your life. The still and the small in your life. I looked up that word in the, in the, in the Hebrew there. You know, I was just curious. What does that word still and small mean? And, and the word still literally means a silence, quiet. It's a subtle voice when God speaks to you. And, and I might be different from others, but God has trained me just in my relationship with him, just to, to, to strain for a still small voice. I went to Bible school. I went to Bible school for four years who um, were sensitive to the Spirit of God. People that could out-pray me, out-worship me, 
I'll ask me whatever you, you want to speak of those things. And, and um, just saw them, you know, do amazing things in God. And, and we would get together and we'd talk about our experiences in prayer. And, and, and some of them would, you know, have this, this gift of being able to just see things in their mind's eye. And, and you know, I, I knew a guy... Um, I won't say his name. You might know him too. He's out of the West Coast, but but he said, you know, I could see, I see, you know, coins. I see stacks of gold coins. God's gonna bless you financially, and I thought that's cool, man. What you know? Why don't I see stacks of, you know? And other, you know, other people here, you know, heard the audible voice of God, you know. Jeff. Whoa. <laughs> I never. That wasn't for me, you know. Some people would smell things, which I don't want that gift. If you want that gift, you can have, you know, if it's a good dot smell, I don't care. I'm very sensitive to smell, so, you know, God, okay. Um, and these things, but for me, it felt like in my life with God, like he would only, you know, my gift, you know, when people ask me, what's your gift? I have the gift of silence. You know, anybody know that one? The gift, and God said, when I speak to you, I'm going to speak to you in a still, small voice. He says, I'm going to just impress upon you. And every once in a while, I'd be like, God, God is that really you asking me to invite someone to church? Or God, is that really you asking me to give and help someone out? Are, are you sure that's you, God? And then after a while, I'd, I'd have to realize, I know it's not me. Just trying to give away, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. I, I, know, I know that's probably not me. Okay, God, I'm going to listen. I've, I've learned over time to be able to just listen for a still, small voice because I got the gift of silence. God said, I want you to cultivate a relationship with me. And I, I used to go to meetings and conferences. And, and, and I think, I'm not saying anything about all these. I think they're awesome. More power to you. Do it to the hilt, if you will. That's just not for me. And I would go to conferences and, and I would say, God, I want to hear a word from the Lord for you. Send someone to speak into my ear, speak into my life right now. You know, God, I'm waiting. I need to hear something desperate. God, I, I need to hear a word. Send someone, send someone over, bring them over. And I'd go to conferences. And, and after a while, I felt kind of a check in my spirit and a little bit chastened where God said, you don't always need people coming up and speaking in your life. I need, I want to speak in your life. Amen. I want you to, to hear from me. I want you to listen for my voice. The Bible says my sheep hear me and they know my voice. God is saying, I want you to get familiar with my voice as I begin to speak in your life. And so no longer when I went to meetings was I always trying to hear the next best word, the next biggest preacher, the next best thing, the trendiest one, the one that was traveling all over the world. Never was I rushing again to have that. If God wanted to do that, great. But God said, I want a relationship with you. I want to get one-on-one -on -one with you. I want to get alone with you. I want it to be you and me. Amen. You don't have to chase after all those things. I want to mature you and grow you. It's a sign of maturity when you can begin to develop and get some things for yourself. 
Hallelujah. Read the books. That's awesome. Listen to the inspirational messages. That's awesome. But find a prayer closet alone with God just to be able to hear his voice. Every once in a while, we've got to push away the screens in our life. We've got to push away the social media in our life. We're living in a world today where we've always got to be interactive and busy with so many things and so many distractions. I've got to scroll through and see this or that. I've got to, I've got to have a screen. I've got to be entertained. I've got to be busy about many things. And God is saying, I want to get alone with you one-on-one individually and personally. I want to have a relationship with you because I love you so much. I want us to have this conversation. I want us to have this communication. I want us to have this talk today. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, hallelujah. How many long for that? To hear the voice of God speak into their lives once again and just say, my child, my daughter, my son, this is the plan that I have for your life. If you could be just still and small for a little while and allow me to work in your life. Jesus himself, even the God of heaven, the Bible says, would go alone into a mountain to pray. Jesus himself, the God of heaven, needed that lone time with the Spirit to be able to prepare his heart and his soul for the ministry that he would be about to perform. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the doorway to his own amazing sacrifice, he left three of his inner circle, three of his closest friends behind. He said, I've got to go further to pray. I love fellowship. I love getting together. We do it all the time. I love eating with people and hanging out. But every once in a while, we've got to leave the, the, the friends behind and just say, God, I'm getting in closer with you. I'm getting this relationship with you. I'm getting alone with you once again. There's nothing like group prayer and corporate. We had some awesome prayer meeting last night. Amen. Those of you that were there, that was a great time together. Someone texted me afterward and said, man, that was such a blessing. Loved it. Love it. But nothing is like Me and God time. Me and God time together alone, spending that time. And so Jesus went to that place, and we can go to that place. But every once in a while, God has to get our attention once again and create the still and the small in our lives. He said, I've got to quiet the noise right now. He said, the problem's have escalated and have mounted so much that right now you're feeling very small in comparison to the mountain. I know what I'm talking about because I've heard it from your own words, but even beyond that, God knows, hallelujah, where you're at. And he said, I've stripped some things out of your life. Boom, gone. He said, I removed some things. He said, you were feeling very small compared to that giant that faces before you. You're feeling very small and you've gotten very still. Maybe he's limited the finances down to a trickle because he said, I'm trying to get your attention right now. What? I can't go out and I can't do this and I can't do that. I can't spend money because the bills have come in and the bill collectors come a calling and because 
things are insurmountable and overwhelming and, and, it, and my life has gotten very quiet and very still. What do I do in that place? What do I do in that situation? Do I crawl into a cave or do I allow God to begin to work on me, begin to move on me and speak to me? Amen. I feel very small in a place where maybe it's health. Maybe it's relationships. Whatever the case might be, things have become very strange. Things have become very difficult and we're trying to figure out what to do next. And we're trying to figure out which way to go and which way to turn. But I love how God began to deal with Elijah in that place. I want to read you another short passage of scripture in this same story. We're going to go back just a few verses in verse 1. I'm sorry, moving forward into verse, uh, yes, verse 1 of chapter 19. Thanks, Bobby, for keeping me straight. Just keeps me in line. Amen. I have a, a lot of um, people that keep me in line in life, and so I'm thankful for that, namely this young lady over here. Amen. My wife. But First uh, uh, Kings chapter 9, verse 1, Ahab is giving the report to Jezebel about all that Elijah has done and how he slain the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah saying, Let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of them by tomorrow about this time. Jezebel was declaring to Elijah, Your life is on a very short leash right now. Your life has an expiration date, and it's, it's going to happen tomorrow. Amen. Some of us have heard horrible news, horrible, horrible news, and, and there's almost an expiration date on our news. By this time, so-and-so, you know, it's it. And, and, and Elijah is in this place, and he's wondering uh, what's going on. And, he, and when Elijah saw that, he rose, the Bible says, and he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself, he went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he asked for himself that he might die. He said, I just want to die. This is, this is too much for me. I just, I just want it to be over. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and he slept under the juniper tree. He, just, he took a nap. He just said, okay, I'm just... I'm going to bed. Anyone felt like that in their life from time to time? I'm just going to bed. Turning off the light. I don't care if it's 6 o'clock. I don't care if it's 8 o'clock. Good night, nap time. I'm going to bed. And so, so he went to bed. And as he lay and slept under the juniper, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Rise up and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he ate and he drank that and he laid down again. It's nap time again. And the next verse, verse 7 says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. Sometimes God has to come to us multiple times to get our attention. He said, Elijah, earlier with that we read, What are you doing in this cave? And, and Elijah gave his reasons, and God came back again and said, Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? God has to get our attention multiple times because a lot of times we're hard-headed and stubborn and, and difficult. And, and God's saying, I'm trying to get your attention right now. I'm trying to get your attention right here. You're, you're, you're looking around everywhere except for to me. 
And I just want to get a hold of your attention and be able to speak for you to you for a moment. I want to be able to minister to you in this place where you're at. I want to be able to give you some sustenance and some strength. I want to be able to give you some substance for your life. I want to be able to to nourish you so that you can take that strength and take it to the next day's journey, to take it to the next chapter of your life, to do the work that I've called you to do and fulfill the purpose and the plan. God is pouring into your life. Don't misinterpret the still and the small in your life as something that's going to limit you or going to destroy you when it's actually for your good. Some of the greatest experiences in our life are not when the noise is shaking and the earthquake is is rattling and the wind is blowing, but it's in the still and the small that God can be able to get our attention and be able to work with us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to tell you a personal story in my own life that exemplifies this situation. A lot of you probably don't know what this particular pin is, I'll come a little closer so you can see it, but it basically says, Matt Valdez, CWA, Quad 7, political director, legislative political director. This is a pin that people wear when they work in the state capitol. And so if you go, let's try to put this on here. If you go to the capitol, you'll see people that work in the Capitol walking around with a pen similar to this. It might be black. It might be white. It would be blue a lot of times. This represents people who are lobbyists, legislative people, direct political people. And so in a segment of my life, being just so ambitious and so desirous to, to achieve and acquire and just chasing after climbing the political la- the corporate ladder, if you will, and and seeing certain promotions in my life, I would wear this this pin and this badge with pride when I would walk into the state capitol and literally shake hands with House of Representatives, with senators. I shook literally shook the hand of a sitting president back a, a, a while back, and, and my wife knows all of this, and and, and just being in that position to be in a VIP section, to be able to shake the president's hand as he comes down the line, to be able to, during an election year, sit in downtown Denver in the Hyatt Regency in a hotel room with, some of you may not know this if you're not a Colorado native, but if you might recognize the name, Mayor Federico Pena, who became later a cabinet member to a presidential administration in Washington in the White House when he became the, the director of um, transportation in that cabinet. To sit in his hotel suite with only a handful of people, no more than a, a dozen people or so, being invited up, being at banquets where you sit at a table with $5,000, $10,000 seat entries that I didn't have to pay for. Sitting in his room, huge suite, living room, dining room, gigantic suite, just a few people milling about, sitting on a couch watching the election as it unfolds, traveling to Baltimore, Maryland, to the Maritime Center there in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and, and just being, going through this leadership training, going through all these things, striving and trying to acquire, cutting checks for 10000 15000 
to, to political campaigns. Here you go. Here's a check. Go, go and win the race. Sitting in meetings where you would watch polls and look at numbers and, and using software like TurfCutter and other things, just trying to get ahead, having standing meetings every single week, the same time, same meeting, sitting around a, tab- a huge table of political figures in the same meeting, talking about the same things and thinking this is it. Walking on, on marble floors with a, with a gold dome Capitol building, rising up in the skyline of downtown Denver, experiencing all these things, striving for more in the, in the work life, going after certification, after certification, after certification to get qualified. Chris might know a little bit of what I'm talking about when I talk about things like CCNA, Cisco Certified Network Associate, JNCIA, a Juniper certification, MEF, Metro Ethernet Forum certification, PMP, Project Management Professional certification from CSU Denver, going down the list uh, of, of the different certifications that one might get, Network Plus, Security Plus, all of these things, all of these things, acquiring to oneself, trying to better oneself. And just a few years back, in the year two, uh, 2012, at the end of the year, it all came to a crashing halt when I got the notice from my boss that said, your services are no longer required here, you're laid off. Just every door closed, slammed shut in my face. And being left alone with God to ask, what does this mean for my life? What does this mean for my family? And, and, and all of those things and struggling with that you know, with that, that depression, if you will, and that anxiety of trying to find an open door. And if anybody was looking for a job in 2012, it was a lot different 2013 than looking for a job in 2019. A lot different. Things were a lot tighter. Things were a lot harder. The struggle was greater. And, and, and just praying. And, and fortunately, our family, we had uh, a bit of a severance. I had a bit of a little bit of a tiny just umbrella, if you will, to, to catch the wind as I settled to the ground of, of severance that would last throughout the next seven or eight months till the month of August that would sustain our family. The whole time knocking on doors. Hey, I need a job. Is there an opening here? The whole time pounding the pavement, submitting my resume to, to Indeed and website after website after website. Will someone throw me a bone? Can anybody here? I'm calling out. I, I need a break here. And, and silence. Complete silence. Dead silence. Stillness and smallness, if you will. Feeling very small. Nobody wants to give me a chance. And it was in the middle of that time period that my wife said to me, you know, I believe God can give you a job making greater money than you were before and doing better than you were before. And at that time, I wasn't wanting to hear anything like that. And I felt like, like Sarah, Abraham's wife, when she laughed, when the angel of the Lord told Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son. And, and she laughed. I felt like that, like, like, on the line, like, are you kidding me? I mean, I've worked this long and this hard to get to this point only to see it end, and you think that I'm going to do better? Talking crazy, woman. <laughs> hey, man, like Job. No, I'm kidding. But, but um, long story short, she was right. It, was, it happened 
in the sense that when that, that last severance check ended, Faith, I'm going to use the name Faith because it's a good, good, good name. That last check ended in August, Faith. I had a job, and the next, next two weeks, the first paycheck came in on the new job. God said, I'm your provider. I'm your supplier. Amen. You might feel still and small, but I'm great, and I'm mighty, and I'm strong, and I'm amazing, and I can do things for you that you couldn't even imagine. And I was like, really, God? Like, not a week sooner? Like, I couldn't overlap a couple checks and just, you know, put some in the bank? Like, really? Like, the next two weeks is, is the next? And believe me, I was grateful. And the job I had today is based on none of those certifications or qualifications that I acquired to myself. The job I had today, my boss asked me and said, hey, do you know a little bit of Linux? I was like, yeah, I know a little bit of VI editor. Okay, you got the job. He didn't care about my certifications. He could care less. About, I emailed him, like, look at all I had. He, could care. he didn't want to hear it. Just do the job. And Bria was right. It was a job where I'm making more than I ever made in the history of my career. And God blessed. And God did it. God said, I'm not giving you something based on you. I'm giving you something based on me. Amen. So you can know that I am God. So you know that I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm stepping in your life and I'm taking over. Hallelujah. If you allow me, I believe God wants to step into some people's lives and take over their situations today and say, stand still and see that I am God. Hallelujah. Be still and know that I am the Lord in Jesus name. Do you believe that today, church? I love to preach about Jesus. I close this message with the message of Matthew chapter four. When Jesus preparing for his ministry, he had to be led up and he had to go alone into the wilderness, the Bible says, to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And the Bible says that the tempter came to him and said, if you be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And again, verse 5, the devil came to him and says, uh, took him to this holy city and sets him on a pinnacle. And he says, if you, he shall give his, uh, he, and he said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down. And Jesus replied, it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. In their hands shall, they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So basically the enemy was coming to Jesus and he was tempting him. And he was tempting him. He was tempting him in his moment of weakness and his moment of stillness. And if you've heard nothing else today, hear this right now, church. In his moment of smallness, the enemy came to him. And he said, I'm trying to make this situation about you. I'm trying to make it about you right now. I'm trying to appeal to your ego. I'm trying to appeal to your pride right now. I'm trying to turn it around and make it about you. Because when we focus on me, we discover our limitations. We realize how small we are. We realize how powerless we are in the presence of those obstacles that come against us. When we begin to look at us, we begin to get low self-esteem. 
and insecurity. We begin to question ourselves and doubt ourselves. Listen to me, someone in this place. We begin to talk about, God, I'm not capable. God, I, I, I'm not able. We begin to focus on our inabilities. God, how can I ever do a work for you? I'm not worthy. I've, ma- I've made this mistake and I've messed up here and I've done this and I've done that. God, you would never take me back. And we began to look at ourselves and we began to focus on ourselves. And the enemy begins to have us where he wants us. That's right. I want you to have low self-esteem. I want you to feel bad about yourself. I don't want you to feel like you can do it or make it or become anything in God. And he turns the tables on us. I come against today low self-esteem in this place. Hallelujah. I come against today insecurity in this room right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm proclaiming faith today. I'm proclaiming deliverance because Jesus turned that situation around and he said, my focus is on him. My focus is on him. God wants you to realize how much he loves you. He wants you to discover how much he loves you. Amen. Your value in him. When you look through his eyes, your value skyrockets. When you look at yourself through his eyes, you become great because he said, I love you so much. I love you so much. I died for you. I love you so much. I gave my life for you. Hallelujah. I'm trying to build you up in this instance and in this moment. Can we all stand together in this place? Hear me today, church. I'm trying to build you up. I'm not wanting you to to figure out the answers on your own. I'm not wanting you to find the solutions in your own strength. I'm not wanting you to make your own path and make your own way. Hallelujah. I'm wanting you to trust in me. Amen. I'm wanting you to see me and see how great I am and see what I can do in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's trying to get one-on-one with us, alone with us, to be able to pour into us, to be able to develop us, to be able to have a relationship with us. Oh, hallelujah. Not to see us through our own eyes, but to see us through his eyes of love. Jesus, in your mighty name, I believe that you've spoken to not just a few in this room today, but Lord, you have a higher calling and a higher purpose. He went to Elijah in that cave and he said, come out, Elijah. I need you to come out right now. He said, I've got a work for you to do. You're not finished here. You're not meant to stay in the desert and in the cave under the juniper tree alone and in your own self-pity and your own anxiety. When he says, I've got so much more for you to do. He heard Elijah's excuse and he brushed it off and he said, now go. I want you to go anoint Hazael. I want you to go anoint Jehu. I need you to find Elisha, the next one that would come after you. Go. God has more for your life. Amen. He's not leaving you in this place, but just for a season. But just for a season. Thank you, Lord. Moses' training wasn't actually in Egypt. People confuse that a lot of times. Moses got his experience in Egypt. Oh, he was the Pharaoh's son in Egypt. No. Moses' training and development was on the backside of a wilderness, alone with God, one-on-one with God. Moses met God and, and saw the tree, the bush on fire, and had a conversation with God. Moses was one-on-one with God. Abraham was alone with God when God said, see the stars, see the sand, I'm going to give you, amen, that kind of a, of a heritage in your life. 
It was alone with God. Nowhere else. I want to open up this altar this morning. If you want to step forward and join me here and pray, if you want to pray in your chair, wherever you want to pray, can we just begin to pray together? Oh, hallelujah. If you believe you've heard from God today and God is working and speaking and dealing in your life, amen, your future is great. There are some great things that God wants to do in your future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you to look back or focus, amen, on the small things. But the great things in your life begin to speak to him and reach out to him right now if we can. Hallelujah. This is beautiful church all over this place.